Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real-life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My guests are Hunter and Emily. Hunter is a analyst um, for Acre, which is an acronym for Accelerated Commercial Real Estate. It's a brokerage here in San Antonio that we work a lot with. And then Emily's the broker that helped us on a recent deal. And so this is episode's a little bit different in that we're going to actually break down a recent deal that we closed. So we're going to walk through how we identified it. Uh, what the underwriting looked like, what the acquisition process was like, how we got the debt together, and kind of from the very identification of the property all the way up through the closing, right from Hunter and Emily, the analyst and broker that helped us take down that deal. So a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, detail there. And then we ended up talking a lot about the current market conditions. So as of this recording right now, when I'm recording this, the Fed has raised rates 10 consecutive times. That's had a big impact on commercial real estate. So we talk a lot about just kind of staying in the game when things are harder, when rates are high, getting deals done, what it takes to get deals done in this market. So I hope that's instructive for you uh, listening. So that's what, this de- that's what this episode is. It's a breakdown with an analyst, Hunter, and a broker, Emily, with Accelerated Commercial Real Estate, Acre, and just breaking down a, a deal specifically that we just closed within the last couple of weeks in this uh, current environment that we find ourselves in. So I think you're going to enjoy that. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors. Before we go to that, if you're enjoying the DJE podcast, would love a five-star review on Apple. That helps the reach of the show. So that's my ask to you, and I appreciate it. We'll have a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into the episode breaking down the closing of a recent 114-unit deal in San Antonio, Texas. Here we go. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE's been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode's also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com, a complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Hey guys, good to see you. We're talking today about a deal. This is a deal review. So welcome Hunter. Welcome Emily to the podcast. Good to see you guys. How y'all doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us, Devin. Yep. It is nice to be here. Yeah. So um, I introduced you guys earlier, so we don't need to get into all your roles and titles and everything, but let's get into a deal, right? So we're talking... Mid-2023, um, you know, 10 consecutive rate hikes from the Fed. Really, even those of us in commercial real estate, I don't think we saw that coming a year ago. So deal volume and transaction volume has just kind of fallen off a cliff. And yet in Q2 2023, we're able to get a deal done. So I kind of want to talk to you guys about it because you guys as, as broker and analyst kind of saw this thing through from top to bottom. So... How do we find this deal? How, how did it how did it come about? Yeah, um, so we've gone into a multitude of 
avenues that deals come in, right? right? And this one came from the best source as far as what we've looked back at our track record. And it started with a, just a really solid broker relationship. Uh, of course, we can go direct to seller, we can go to management companies, but the people who are in the market doing the deals are the brokers transacting these properties. So this one did come from a off-market seller from a broker relationship that brought it to us. It's pretty confidential and um, we just happened to like the deal and take it down. So that's what we're here talking about. Yeah, here to talk about it. So yeah, I think it was like you got a text or something. Next thing I know, there was like an afternoon where I met you out there and we toured it, yeah. right? Yeah, it was, a, it was an email, just a brief overview. Um, you know, we do like to go into the market, tour these properties. It's super important to show face. Right. Even despite the like the 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 market we're in with deals just being a little hard to come by and yeah. pencil, these guys want to see your face at these properties. They want to report back to their sellers team, show that they're having tours, and it doesn't hurt to still be in the market even when things are slow. So when this deal came in, yeah, it was really important for us to lay eyes on the numbers and to underwrite it. That's at the end of the day, super. It's a really important, super uh, valuable thing for us to look at. But we wanted to show face, go to the property, tour it, look at the units, and that's really when we start looking at the upgrades of the units. What's the deferred maintenance like on the property? What's the story of the seller? Uh, and then what do the brokers know that would help us have that advantage to potentially make a deal happen? Yeah, you bring up a good point, and I talk about this a lot, not being pencils down right now, in a, and I see a lot, we're professional investors, like we don't just wait out two years, the market's going to come and go, debt terms are going to change constantly, seller expectations are going to change constantly, right. there's always what I like to say, headwinds and tailwinds. Like there's never, it's it's never just all tailwinds. Like, oh, everything's, we got a low interest rate and a low price and an easy seller and good loan terms. Like that doesn't happen. You might get a couple of those at one time, but you're not going to get the whole thing all at once ever. So yeah, my thought is just keep looking at deals, keep touring, keep offering. And it's a lot harder. I was talking to one broker we both know, and he's saying it's kind of like punching underwater right now. It's harder, but yeah. doesn't mean you just stop. And I think this deal, Hillside, is uh, a testament to that. You just, yeah, just keep going. Just keep making offers. I mean, it was, it was never easy. I don't ever remember it being like a cakewalk. Mm -hmm. right? I, I, I will say, like, the biggest shock of this deal, I mean, it, we, we will get more into this, but we did do uh, Freddie, Freddie debt on this property. Yeah. And this was probably one of the smoother deals we've done. And it's really interesting coming from you know, super hyper active, aggressive market during COVID yep. to now going into a Freddie long-term debt, you know, still had amazing synergy with our teams on the deal, but this one was fairly clean and straightforward. And that was, I think, a, a, a nice, a nice adjustment to what we came out of despite yeah. everything being, you know, a little bit slower right now. Yeah, that Freddie SBL product's one of my favorites. I mean, it's we got really low leverage. Could have I would have liked a little more leverage on this deal, of course, but um, the fact that it worked at like fifty five percent loan to cost was mm -hmm. pretty eye opening for me. And then I hate to say it, but like five five point two four interest rate is a total win right now. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. and we even got better proceeds at the at the end. A shout out to John Brixen of uh, McKinney Capital. 
up in Dallas, been a loan broker for us on a lot of deals. And um, he got us another darn near half a million bucks in proceeds kind of right at the one yard yeah. line, which was cool. Um, but that Freddie SBL product, low fees, um, easy. I mean, it's, it's SBL, right? It's, it's for small balance loan. It's a small balance loan, literally meant for smaller projects. And we've done a few of them over the years. And they're just kind of, I mean, from my perspective, they're kind of made to be easy to get into. Um, and then you've got fixed rate, which I think right now is important. <laughs> we've seen, you know, on our variable rate stuff, we've seen um, some huge increases on that. So that was good. You bring a little more equity to the table, but upside, kind of classic story, upside with uh, interior renovations. And then a killer area. I mean, my wife and I's first house is like a couple hundred yards away mm -hmm. from that property. I like yeah. that part of town and really central and lots going on there. So... Hunter, what do you think about the numbers and how it underwrited when, or underwrote whenever we first looked at the deal? What was what was your take from that? I, I was a fan, and I think kind of from the beginning, there are a lot of deals that you have to overcomplicate to get them to pencil, and this was kind of the complete opposite, you know, very traditional and kind of uh, straight straightforward to your value-add program, and so there yeah. wasn't a whole lot of, uh, I would say, creativity we had to get into this deal. We didn't have to go and try and deconvert anything. The, just very straightforward, get in, remodel and renovate and kind of raise some rents. But I think it also helped that it appeared there was a really strong tenant base on the property, low delinquency, a very high occupancy, kind of all of the things we look for in terms of uh, just a good situation to walk into, I would say. Yeah. And then, you know, we were fairly aggressive on our exit cap as well. So I think there's some additional cushion. For sure. Um, if, if the market does kind of continue into this high rate environment. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what did we model for exit cap coming out? Was it like, uh, 50 basis points over going in or I want to say we were up to 75 or 85 basis points, expansion. Uh, expansion. Yeah. Love it. Love to see that. Um, little smaller size deal for DJE is 114 units. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I would say if we could buy 250 to 500 units a quarter, that'd be just right. Our sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, the market's not given us that in the last year. In fact, this is the first deal multifamily deal DJE closed in a year. So we were, you know, Q1 of last year. So, I mean, we're like active, ready to go vertically integrated buyers in a good market. And we still didn't find anything for a yeah, year. Yeah, I, I, I think that's an interesting point is sometimes people just want to do a deal, need to do course, a deal. Yeah, yeah. And it's really important to kind of hold out and to like trust your numbers and like you're dealing with investors money and that's not something to take lightly. And so for us to have gone one year to do, you know, the next DJE acquisition multifamily deal, we stick to our numbers. And that was, I think, you know, a testimony in itself that in a market like this, it's, you know, you, it's compelling to put to, to, together a deal because you're constantly talking to investors and you're constantly touching sellers and looking at deals and you want something to pencil, but at the end of the day, you know, you're dealing with people's real money. And we were just, I think, like you said, it was really straightforward to the numbers. We stuck to our numbers. We had our cushions. We looked at it from a multitude of different ways and it, it worked. And so kind of being in the market right now and looking at deals, it's a numbers game like anything. You know, you've got to stay consistent. You've got to not put pencils down, um, even when it looks a little easy to do so. Um, yep. But just getting to know the market in a multitude of different ways, you know, getting to see the market in a hyper 
aggressive market during COVID and then yeah. getting to see it in a slower, you know, downturn. Yeah. Um, that makes you also an, a better investor, a better underwriter, better deal sourcer, no matter what a stage you're in, you're always going to have highs and lows. Yeah. And we're getting to see it all yeah. in a very compressed time frame. I mean, this is like, um, 10 rate hikes in a row back yeah. to back. That's, we hadn't seen that in many, many decades. Um, and that's on the back of COVID and, you know, a stimulus package. Again, we hadn't seen anything like that in a while. So yeah. we're kind of getting to see it all here in a, in a short, uh, it's, it's, it's like they talk about California. The reason the movie industry came up there is you, you got everything, right? You got the beaches, you got the mountains, you got the desert. You can kind of make it any movie in California. I feel like we've seen all of the investing environments in the last 36 months. Like we've seen them all. So, <laughs> you know, just getting good at, at being able to play in the different, um, the different, market conditions, um, I think is, is important for any operator. So Hunter, you had a, you had something. Yeah. I, I think, uh, kind of going back a little bit earlier to talking about some people sitting on the sidelines. I think a lot of reasons why this deal came to fruition was because we were so active before, Yeah. even if it, a lot of the times felt like we were spinning wheels, underwriting deals that didn't pencil. I think, you know, obviously the market is dictated by the buyers and the sellers. And I think just continuing to provide feedback time after time to these brokers that they can then, you know, in turn, go back and present to their buyers. You know, this is what the market is showing us, I think has just uh, given us that ability to maybe get some opportunities that we wouldn't before because people know that we're so active and always looking for deals and always willing to provide feedback. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, responsiveness with the brokers. I mean, Hey, they, they've got a job to do and they need to put tours on the books. They need to put offers in front of clients and, I feel like you guys hanging around the hoop after, I mean, countless deals. I mean, look, in any market condition, most deals don't work, and that's fine. That's just the game. But hanging around the hoop and being willing to continually provide feedback, timely feedback, too, I think is important for, for everybody. So, yeah, it's a good point. I like it, and I think um, just staying, in, staying active, putting in the reps and not knowing. I mean, that's kind of any sales situation, but – Put in the reps consistently, and then and then something's gonna something's gonna break loose. Um, I got some feedback from the from the sellers from the previous owners. They said that was the easiest transaction ever ever done. So, kudos to you guys on that. That was good. We did extend our um, our closing time right by a couple of weeks. No, we we no? were we actually closed before our closing time. Okay, so we were. I guess our initial close target was actually ahead of the contracted close date. Is that what it was? And then we took a little extra time at the end for. That took us closer oh, to our contract. Yeah, date. as far as like extending, so we had a close period and we had extensions into our original um, accepted offer. Yeah, we closed before our extensions, but then when we had a, a closing date on our calendar, sellers actually wanted to extend it just because it was right in the middle of them paying more defeasance, and yeah. so we were willing to work with them. And obviously, we want them to keep a little bit of money in their pocket, so. Uh, we did have to delay just by like a few days. Yeah, so it helped the seller. Day. Definitely helped us as a buyer too, because like I alluded to earlier, we were able to get um, almost half a million bucks in proceeds from yeah. the in the loan, which you know five and a quarter uh, in today's environment is is a win. Uh, some more stuff about the loan. The Freddie SBL doesn't do a capex escrow, so you know we have about what about a million bucks right for for renovations. So. We raise that as equity, um, and you know that changes the the capital stack. But one nice thing, just kind of from an operations perspective, is no draw process. Yeah. So, 
That draw process is brutal. Lenders, you hear me? It's brutal. I got a. I actually got a, an email from one of the accounting people, and they're like, Emily, do we have a CapEx schedule? And I'm like, no, we're, we're self-funding this. Like, yes. There is no CapEx draw, yes. escrow, anything. There's Thank nothing. The so yeah. that's, a, that, that's a really nice advantage to Freddie. And um, yeah, the, yeah. The, the team was like, all right, I know. We, can, we can take a few breaths. Yeah, it's like we got a fixed rate loan. Okay, good. Yeah. We know what our payment's going to be forever for the life of the deal. So that's awesome. Um, and it's a flip side. I mean, you know, if you if you self-fund the CapEx, obviously you got to raise the money for it. And that changes the, the capital stack and the... Stack and the the IRR and stuff, but from an operations perspective, holy moly, so much easier to yeah. just go in and execute. Um, that's one of the biggest challenges we're having operationally right now is, you know, we might have a half a million dollar draw out on our property. And, you know, I was talking to our accounting team this week and it's like, we've, I mean, we've dotted every I, crossed every T, submitted everything perfect, submitted a month ago and the bank's just dragging their feet because all of their loans with variable rate interest, you know, all their properties are kind of struggling and they're just like hanging on to cash. And it's like, guys, we, we need that half a million back mm -hmm. for, we already spent it. We need it back. That's the draw process. And it's just taking a lot longer than it normally does okay. right now. I was going to ask, yeah. yeah. Is there greater delays today than there was during COVID? Absolutely. Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, when all these rate hikes really started to take effect, um, that all the lenders across the board started being more difficult to deal with in terms of draws. So um, having a project where, you know, we're really low leverage on the debt, fixed, we're self-funding the CapEx, like it just feels like the right deal for mid-2023, right? The right, it's like the kind of right situation you want to be in. Well-capitalized, fixed-rate debt, low leverage, self-funding the CapEx, let's, let's go, let's rock and roll. So, um it's just is nice. It's a nice to have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of like low leverage, I just kind of want to touch on this and like yeah. kind of see. I know we're underwriting deals with constantly different leverage percentages. Um, but Hunter, touch on like the leverage aspect of this deal and how we're looking at other deals and the leverage we're seeing on Hillside versus other properties we're we're underwriting. Yeah, so I think uh, this deal, obviously, first, in order to come into a Freddie SBL term, there are certain requirements you need, and it's not the right product for everyone in terms of physical occupancy of a building, or, uh, you know, a lot of lenders like to see 90 for 90, so 90% 90 occupancy over a 90-day period, mm -hmm. and I think that that's where these deals not only are required, but I think that's where this kind of loan product shines as opposed to, you know, a bridge loan coming in very high interest, either fixed or variable, uh, very high leverage. But th the whole goal of that is to get that property stabilized and then either exit with a sale or refinance into some sort of longer term loan product. And so right now, um, I think we're starting to see a split. There's not a ton of, um, you can't, I guess what I'm getting at is you can't have the good rate or good leverage. Uh, they're, I guess they're not mutual or they are mutually exclusive in this instance yeah. for most cases, you're yep. either getting into, you know, that bridge loan or staying with something lower leverage. And I think what we're seeing now um, for a lot of our buyers is they're looking at on the class A and B properties, they're, they're not going to come in with a bridge loan. The model just, it doesn't support that those types of operations. And so we're seeing a lot more fixed debt agency products on kind of the newer assets that are more stabilized as opposed to, you know, everyone's class C value add product. Yep. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Like, like I was saying earlier, you're not going to have it all. You, you've got agency stuff. That's 
compelling from a rate perspective right now. Um, not so compelling from a leverage perspective. And maybe sometimes we talk about it all the time, not so perspective, not so uh, compelling from a exit cost perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, there's another deal we won't, won't name here that we're pursuing that is like um, pretty high rate, but pretty good proceeds and nice exit uh, costs. So just kind of always balancing that, yeah. that out. Yeah, the, the Freddie's not for, for every deal. And I think it's got a loan proceeds cap of 7.5 too. Mm -hmm. We did a deal a few years ago and we got right at 7.5 million. I mean, we've got every nickel from, from them. Um, this one was, you know, um, also kind of right at the cap that they were willing to go to on proceeds. But anyway, different loan product for every, every type of deal. So we got Hillside done. Any, any, I mean, it was kind of cut and dry. I mean, the, the seller was extremely happy with the execution. We were happy, close on time. Um, investors happy. Was it, were there any bumps along the road or, you know, issues you guys ran into? I mean, we don't want to make it seem like these deals are a walk in the park, right? They're not. They're not. I mean, and obviously we only, we only see one aspect or multiple aspects of the deal, but then you also have the equity side of things as far as like, can the team bring the money? And so sure. obviously, you know, you guys are amazing at that, but from like the transactional side of things and like underwriting and just the whole entire transaction itself, like the asset itself, there was not a lot of deferred maintenance. There was no code violations. There was no flood zone there. I mean, it was, honestly was pretty, pretty cut and dry. Yeah, so, for uh, that vintage, pretty yeah, clean. Yeah, I don't remember any, any like major hiccups that really came in and shook us and like gave us more sleepless nights than, than usual. Um, yeah. I would say, and this isn't even necessarily a hiccup, but the majority of our conversation went through third-party management then, then went to the owner of the asset because they had a very close relationship. Yeah. And so everything was great with him, but it was just, you know, another layer of people in, in the telephone. Yeah. So, yep. so that was the only thing I could think of. But other than that, I mean, they were very easy to work with. Sure. Um, no unexpected surprises. And even, you know, on a property view, very low crime there too. So that wasn't a concern from the lender or from insurance either. Yep. Yeah, it's a great little pocket. Love that. Love the area of town. I think there was a time or two where they were maybe skiing for a couple of days, right? We couldn't get in touch, which mm -hmm. not throwing stones. Oh, that's right. No, not that's throwing right. stones. That's right. I think when a seller like super motivated to get a PSA and then they want to hit the slopes and hey, good you, on them. Leave you questioning where you stand on the transaction. That definitely <laughs> was. We're like we're spinning all these wheels and we're we're <laughs> we're putting uh, all of our team on the property doing walkthroughs and we didn't even have a PSA. I mean, but you gotta learn to you know when to when to take action and when to hold back. And I yep. mean the, the deal was there. It, everything sort of checked out and we were, we were willing to place our eggs in the basket and it worked out, you know, but that's a great point to mention. Yeah. You know, we did, I was kind of, it's like I, we do these deals and then I forget all the details, <laughs> but we went with a seven day access period yeah. and then hard money. Right. Which yeah, is like, which is that ain't yeah. happening right now, but yeah. I'm like, let's get this deal done. No, we definitely were, we were, we were wasting those days pretty quick and yeah. not really having any feedback from the seller. Which as far as I think like, so I don't know. I was talking to somebody about a deal that they lost because they didn't put hard earnest money. And I, because of the experience of that group I was talking to, I was like, do not put, I do not recommend put hard earnest money down and lose quarter million dollars or whatever. Like 
But for this deal, I thought it was a good strategy to say, hey, give us a seven-day access period. Like, we're not even in contract, but we can get our team in there and do most of our due diligence. Maybe not all of it, but we do a lot of it. And then, all right, yeah, like, once we get the contract negotiated, you know, boom, we got hundreds of thousands of dollars hard earnest money. And so, I mean, shoot, that's going to win you deals. Obviously you're risking a lot of capital doing that, but I think that was important here just to cut through the fluff with this seller and be like, Hey man, we're, we're serious about this. So again, not something I really recommend unless you're real comfortable with it or you've been doing a long time or, or whatever, but, um, that does get deals done. Right. And I think the combined with that access period and that look, and also just being so familiar with the market and, and everything that, you know, I mean, for our operations team, it's it's kind of a layup, right? In terms of the size of it and the the condition it was in and the location and all that stuff. It's like, that's, it's kind of right down the fairway for us. Um, but yeah, putting up hard earnest money is means you're not messing around, not seeing that a lot in the marketplace right now, but buyers are asking. Right. I mean, we actually have seen a few where where people are. I'm sorry. Sellers are asking yeah. for hard earnest money. We're, we're, we're seeing some of that, which yeah, is I wild. Mean, right. I mean, what we had a we had a deal we were looking at that underwrote really, really well. And they were between two really strong buyer groups, us being or I guess one of the clients we were working with being one of the strong buyer groups. Yeah. And one of the conversations was putting up hard earnest money. And I feel like a lot of people in this market, you know, we're even seeing deals fall out because people just can't raise capital. Sure. And sure. I would say like, yeah, of course it's going to be a concern and a hesitation right now. So them asking for hard earnest money in this market, I can imagine, you know, shakes you a little bit. Sure. So it's not something that we're seeing pretty often or something that we're recommending, but I mean, you've got to triple check and like quadruple check your numbers before you want to put that hard earnest money down. So, yeah, um, I think that's by like deal by deal basis. Yeah. And I think with regards to putting hard earnest money down, obviously it's a deal by deal basis and an operator by operator basis. But in a market like this, where not a lot of people are, if you're looking to really put your stamp on the deal and give that seller the assurity of close. I think stepping in with that hard earnest money, if you've done the due diligence on the front end is really a strong strategy to differentiate yourself. Yeah. I kind of feel like right now, and you know, somebody's listening to this a year from now and rates have been cut and the market's totally different, whatever. That's a different thing. But for like mid 2023, I feel like putting hard earnest money down is just like coming up to the table and just clearing the freaking table and being like, this is, this is my deal. Like everybody's so hesitant mm-hmm. right now with the debt markets so and everything. It's just hard earnest money is just like, all right, everybody step aside. Like we're going to win this deal. And so if, if you're in a position to do that, or you are willing to take that risk, that's kind of, it's kind of this, this ace up your sleeve, but, um, you know, who knows? We'll see, we'll see how that continues. But yeah. again, on the right asset, with with a kind of the right amount of, d- of due diligence that you get in there and do, I think I think it's a good move. And then hopefully you know you close and it's a moot point, right? Doesn't doesn't matter that your earnest money was hard. You close and and you're done. So yeah, cool. Yeah, well, cool guys. Um, appreciate you coming to help break down a deal. I think there's probably a million other things we could talk about the deal, but I think it's important for people to hear kind of what's happening right now, right? Yeah. I think everybody's mm-hmm. looking at each other. I'm getting calls from sponsors. I'm calling sponsors. What are you doing? How are you approaching this? You know, uh, I mentioned John Brixton at McKinney Realty Capital earlier. He's awesome resource for us to be able to get debt market updates, which are changing literally, you know, daily. 
Um, and you guys are an awesome resource, you know, helping source this deal. And for the, you know, 50 you looked at that didn't close for us, we got this one closed. So thank you guys. Good awesome job. work. And thank appreciate you, you sharing. Yeah, yep. Thank you. Some Excited of the story. to see where the market goes from here. And yep. we'll be looking back at, you know, Hillside as probably a easier deal in the market in 2023. And let's see what the rest of the year has for us. Yeah, I love it. Well, if you guys are listening, want to connect with Hunter and Emily, go to the, the, show description scroll down there and you can click through to the acre website and uh and connect with you guys so thanks for joining y'all let's uh let's go do another deal soon let's do awesome. it thanks Devin. all right see you guys thank you for listening to the dje podcast for more information please go to djetexas.com